Thanks, Ben. Welcome to church today, everyone. Lovely to see so many of you out. Easter. You know, just after Christmas when I was buying Markdown mince pies, there were Easter eggs and hot cross buns right next to them. Don't you just love them? I love hot cross buns. I love the spicy taste. They have to have fruit. Um, but, the, you know, they're just so nice. Um, it's a huge marketing gimmick now. I mean, you think of three or four months of advertising in the lead-up to Easter. There's chocolates, there's gifts, there's... You know, the catalogue's put out fish for Lent. I mean, how many people actually know what Lent is anymore? You know, but the catalogue's put it out. Everybody buys fish and eats it. It's just this huge event now. For a lot of people, it's a, it's a great family weekend. You know, you have these four days of of no work for a lot of people, so they go away. It's a real family time. Um, people go camping, people go away, people catch up. The temperature's usually mild, and this year it's quite nice, so it's a great time to go away as a family. All over the country, you read articles in the paper and you read that churches are at their busiest over Easter, people who plan to attend more often but find that year came round really quick, they're back again people who honour traditions of attending just at Easter and Christmas, people who are, you know, respecting their parents and saying, yeah, I'll come just this once, I'll come, I'll come to church. People who remember that Easter's a time of remembrance for all that Jesus suffered. People honouring the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, for our freedom. And at Easter as Christians, we should be remembering Christians all around the world. We meet together freely and safely, um, but all around the world there's Christians meeting together in countries under immense persecution, choosing to gather despite threats of terrorism and danger in places like Afghanistan and Kenya and Egypt in the last three years have each had attacks on Christians over Easter time with many people dying. Easter brings us together in every country in the world, in public, in secret, to respect and honour the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Just two days ago, you know, some of us came and we remembered Good Friday. This is a time as Christians when we remember Jesus' gruesome death. It was a horrific series of abuse. Beaten, spat on, whipped, thorns poked into his head forced to walk until he could walk no more, stripped, mocked, nailed, nailed by his hands and his feet to a wooden cross, left there to die, dehydrated, teased, finally giving in to the will of his father, he took his last breath, he died, his body was still, He was dead. They wrapped him in cloths. They put him in a tomb. Death seemed so final. But why? Why did he suffer so badly? What did he do to deserve this? Nothing. Because Jesus came to fulfill the will of the Father. Jesus honoured the authority of the Father through complete obedience. And all that Jesus did was what God the Father wanted him to do. And we know this because the scriptures tell us that these events happened in accordance with 
what the scriptures said. And Jesus' obedience gives us who believe so many benefits in life. He didn't choose to die. We read in Luke 22 that, in fact, he pleaded with God, please, if there's any way, take this cup from me. But he said, if it's your will, then let it be done. Despite not wanting to, he went through with what the Father required of him. All that he did was for us. Death has no sting. Death has no victory. And what does that mean? In other words, because of the death of our Lord, we receive life. When we die, the grave will not hold us, but we will live in eternal life with him. That's what it means. Jesus carried the sins of the world when he died. And in 1 Peter, it tells us he bore our sins in his body to the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds, that day we have been healed. Wow. Jesus went through a torturous death on the cross for us and then rose after three days to fulfill the will of the Father. It was not only his death that he went through for us, but his resurrection too. It's like that old song, we sang it a few weeks ago, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all my fear is gone. I know that I have a future because he lives. Sometimes we can become focused on the fact that Jesus died. Yes, he died, and it's a vitally important part of our Christian faith. But his resurrection is also vitally important. And today I want to look at the gift that the resurrection gives us. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son to us. We thank you that we can remember at Easter time the sacrifice that he made so that we can choose to live in freedom with him. And we pray that you be with each and every one of us, that we make that choice to live in freedom with you. I pray, Lord, that you use my words to convey what you want conveyed this morning, that you open ears and eyes to hear and see what you want to be seen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read from Luke 24 today. I'm going to start at the beginning. Okay. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in cloths that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you this while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day raise again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying there. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. 
Now you must understand that throughout Jesus' ministry, he travelled and he taught in many places and there was this group of people that travelled with him. There were his 12 disciples, but there were others and the Bible mentions them um, throughout the the Gospels. There was this other group of people that travelled with him. There was a group of women, including Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, um, Susanna, and there were many others. And these women helped to support Jesus out of their own means. The Bible tells us that Susanna, Susanna and Joanna and Mary, they were all healed by Jesus. So they had, um, Jesus had come to them at some point. He had healed them and then they had given up their life to, to follow him and, and travel with him and his group. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus was crucified, they were there watching. And now after observing the Sabbath, Sabbath day, they had gone back to put spices on the body, which was what they did in the culture then. Now we read, when they went to the tomb, they didn't find the body. And you look at the choice of words that were written in the verses. He is risen, they told them. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Remember he told you? And you know, sometimes we get so busy trying to do that we forget what he's already told us. We keep looking in places that we know he's not in. We search and we want and God reminds us, Remember I told you? These women knew Jesus and they knew his teaching just as much as the men. They travelled with them. They saw the tomb first. And after they saw the angels, they went back to the 11 disciples to tell them what had happened. And I would love to tell you that the disciples remembered and they believed and they celebrated that in fact everything he said had come to pass. But it tells us in verse 11 that they didn't believe the women. In fact, only one of them actually went to check for himself the tomb. And after he checked, the Bible tells us in verse 12, he went away wondering what had happened. These people had spent several years with Jesus, listening to his every word, or so it seemed. And Jesus had fulfilled the will of his father to die and to rise on the third day. They were his disciples, his followers, Yet they didn't know what happened to him. Maybe they'll remember what Jesus told them. You know, maybe if we read on, they'll continue to search around and figure out what happened. But when you continue to read on into the next passage of Scripture, the rest of Luke 24, you realise that, in fact, it's the opposite. You read that two of his followers that same day actually went, started walking home, left Jerusalem to go to a small village somewhere. They were defeated. They'd given up. Jesus is gone. What's the point? Let's just go home. And along that journey, a a man appears to them. And it is in fact Jesus, but their eyes have been closed to see who it is. And he asked them, what are you discussing? And it makes you think sometimes opportunities to discuss Jesus with someone can stare you right in the face. And how do you respond? Jesus himself walked, the Bible says it was seven miles, so he walked with them along this road. And they were walking along, their faces were downcast. And Jesus asked them, and they answer, you can almost hear the sarcastic tone Are you the only one visiting this area who doesn't know what's happened? And Jesus asked them, what things? 
And they begin to tell him about Jesus and the crucifixion and we thought he was the one who was going to save us all. And he said he would die and be raised on the third day and today they, they, the women came and they told us that he's not there. And Jesus begins to explain to them again. And by the time they reach their destination, their eyes are opened and they realise that Jesus is with them. We read in Mark's Gospel in chapter 16 that after Jesus spoke to these two, they returned. They went back, seven miles back to Jerusalem and they told the other disciples and still they didn't believe. It says, afterward Jesus appeared in a different form to the two of them. They returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. We read in John's Gospel that Thomas's disciple refused to believe until he actually poked his fingers through the holes in Jesus' hand. Even Jesus' closest followers didn't believe. Have you ever been so absorbed in yourself or a series of events or a situation that you don't even realise that Jesus is walking alongside of you? Has someone ever asked you, why do you go to church at Easter? Or what Easter means to you? Have you ever found yourself answering in a similar way to the disciples? Don't you know why Christians celebrate Easter? Everybody knows that. Everyone knows what Easter means to Christians. Don't you know that? The Bible tells us that when a light shone into the darkness, the darkness will not overcome it. You have to be willing to shine that light. You see, Jesus had to suffer these things and then enter his glory for us to be set free. The scriptures had told us what will happen, yet even his closest followers couldn't see. He needed to rise again. Over the last couple of weeks, I have experimented with making hot cross buns. And I made a set of hot cross buns and they were really nice. And so I made another set and they were really nice and I put them, you know, left them on top of the car to rise and then, you know, made them into bun shapes and then left them to rise again and they rose a little bit, you know, because they're full of stuff. I thought they probably didn't rise very much. I baked them and I knocked on the top and they sounded really good. And I cut one open and the inside was really dense. <laughs> and I got really... Um, I don't get angry, but I got really angry with it and I <laughs> chucked them all out and I thought, oh, never making them again. Obviously, it didn't work. And then when I was clearing the bench later, I saw this little silver packet sitting near the kettle. It was the yeast. And I realised that I didn't put the yeast in those hot cross buns. So although they looked on the outside, they looked really nice and they, they rose a little bit and they, they looked really good, but when I cut them open they were really dense inside there was no air if you think of it like this Jesus is our raising agent in Easter he's the raising agent in our life if he had not risen you know things can look okay on the outside but we can have this dense existence with no life on the inside don't be so concerned with things that you don't notice the true gift that Jesus gave us the gift at Easter through raising Christ from the dead to give us eternal life. For me, Easter is about life. It's about resurrection. It's about new beginnings. 
Our sins have been forgiven and we're given a chance to correct ourselves, a chance to draw close. Jesus' resurrection is a gift. It's a gift to me and it's a gift to you. It's a gift to all the world. It's a gift to anybody who wants to take it. If you look up the definition of resurrect or resurrection, it means to restore, revive or revitalise something that is inactive, disused or forgotten. And it's such a true definition of what we look at when we think of the resurrection. This year so far as a church, we've looked at following Jesus. And if you've missed some of those messages, you've missed some incredible revelations into what it means to follow Jesus. And I strongly urge you to listen to the recordings that we've made to to listen to some of those messages because they're really profound in what it means. Ben described um, in one of the early ones who the disciples were. They were a motley crew of, um, with all kinds of histories, you know, there was inability, lack of education, lack of skills, there was poverty, there was violence, there was quietness, there was shyness, there was outspoken ones. And then we read earlier that there was a group of women that followed Jesus as well. The women who followed Jesus, such as Mary, Joanna and Susanna, they had paths of sickness, they had mental health controlling issues, they had questionable morals and they had weaknesses. But when we choose to follow Christ, we make a choice. We see that we're broken inside, we see that we can't do it, but we understand that Jesus comes alongside of us and when we are weak, we see God's power made perfect in us. That's what the Bible tells us in Corinthians. Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins, to erase our past, to resurrect our lives. Don't continue to live a life in the past holding you back. You must choose life. Jesus didn't want to die a terrible death, but he understood what it meant and what it would mean for us. Yes, you've been through that. Yes, it was terrible. Yes, it's made you who you are today, but choose life. Choose to live life abundantly. Don't live a life waiting for the past to come back and get you. Make the most of the freedom and the restoration and the new life that you have in Christ. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus gave us that life. He gave us so many gifts to revitalise us and restore us and revive us. But don't worry if you struggle with the concept of the resurrection because we read before that even the day Jesus resurrected, his own followers didn't believe it. And it tells us in the Bible as you go through the, um, into Acts and Romans and into Corinthians that a lot of people didn't believe the resurrection part of it. There's a passage in Corinthians where Paul confronts those who are still doubting that Jesus rose. So this is years later and still the Christians speak of of Jesus and his death, but they had begun to not include the part of the resurrection. And Paul confronts them and in 1 Corinthians 15 he writes this. If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to have 
be a false witness about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he didn't raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. For those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ that we are, of all people, most to be pitied. But... Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have been fallen asleep. It's a bit of a confusing passage of scripture. It uses all these negatives that make it difficult to understand. But what Paul is doing here is he's challenging those who had been teaching falsely that there was no resurrection. You see, all along this time, the resurrection was misunderstood. But Paul addresses these issues by stating the truth. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So what can we learn about the resurrection of Jesus? Christ has been raised from the dead. And Paul tells us that. And he tells us that as a result of Christ rising from the dead, the first thing is our faith is well founded. In verse 14 there it says, Our faith is not in vain, which means because of the resurrection, our faith is well-founded. Because of the resurrection, there is someone who we can trust completely. He won't let you down through thick or thin. You can count on him. He will always be there. God put man and woman in the Garden of Eden to glorify God by trusting him for all of their needs. That need hasn't changed. The death of Jesus proves his love for us and the resurrection proves his power over every enemy in our life. You can count on Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The second thing is, the apostles preach what is true. In verse 15 it tells us the apostles are not false witnesses, which means because of the resurrection, the apostles teach what is true. These days we're bombarded with this idea that there is no absolute truth. Our young people are challenged with the ideas that they can choose a behaviour that they think is wrong or right, and with ideas that what they think is right or wrong, there is no consequence The Bible has truths and it has boundaries with which we live by as Christians. If there is no absolute truth with what to live by as a basis for society and if everybody does what they think is right, then the world will end in complete anarchy. The need for truth is a deep need inside the human soul. Jesus came into the world and said, I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life. And he rose from the dead to prove his claim. Jesus had the right to tell us what was absolutely true because through the resurrection, God proved him to be absolutely true. The third thing is we are forgiven for our sins. In verse 17, it tells us we are not still in our sins, which means as a result of the resurrection, we are forgiven for our sins. Everything in our walk with Christ hangs on our forgiveness. If God were to hold our sins against us, then there would be no hope of anything else from God. So often we think that because of Jesus' death, our sins were forgiven. Yes, they were, but Roman tells us that he was handed over to death on account of our transgressions, but he was raised on account of our justification. This means that by his death, he paid the penalty for our sins, he bought our acquittal and our justification, 
and forgiveness. And this in itself is so complete. But God raised Jesus from the dead to validate our forgiveness, to vindicate his son's righteousness and to celebrate the work of justification. Because Christ rose from the dead, we are no longer in sin. The fourth thing is we are to be envied. In verse 19 it says we are not to be pitied, which means because of the resurrection we are to be envied. And it's not in terms of jealousy and, and that kind of thing, but what it means is that if our preaching is not in vain as a result of his resurrection, it's because the teaching of God is full, it's meaningful and it's significant, it's valuable and it's true. And if Christ was not raised then living for him would be a great delusion. But he was raised, and because of this, he reigns as king in our lives. In our love and worship, we are not to be pitied, but more to be envied because we have a relationship with the living God. Paul went on to say, Be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour in the Lord is not done in vain. What we do for him is not in vain, is for him for his glory is valuable and it's eternal and the fifth thing is those who have fallen asleep are now alive it says in verse 18 those who have died in faith have not perished which means through the resurrection we have the joy of life we are alive in him he is alive and we will live as Christ lives we will not come to an empty life after a full life The resurrection glorifies Jesus as the author of life and the victor over death. You see, at Easter time, we remember that Jesus died and rose again to take away our sins and give us eternal life. And that is incredible. If Jesus had just died, he would be like any other religious figure, like Buddha or Muhammad. They lived and they died and that was the end. But the difference is that we serve a living God. Amen? A living God. He died, yes, but on the third day he rose again. And that's why we serve a living God. The Bible tells us after he was raised, he was then ascended into heaven. So he didn't die a death after that, which means he's still alive. What an incredible gift that God gave us. Forgiveness from our sins, life for eternity through his son Jesus. Like Jesus had new life on the third day we also have new life with him think of the step of going through the water of baptism like we'll see later today the old life is washed away and you're risen up into new new life into the promises that he has for you yes those things were done those things were said but you make a choice to choose to follow christ and you choose to take up your cross You choose to be resurrected, you choose to be revitalised and you choose to be revived. You choose to be restored through Jesus Christ. Live in the freedom that he's given you. We sang in, in one of the songs today about from the ashes rising up to declare his victory. By his resurrection we also are resurrected. You think of ashes as, as death or the darkest of the dark, but we, because of that, we can rise up with victory and we need to live in that freedom. At Easter, we remember Jesus' death, but please don't sit through Easter without remembering his resurrection. 
God raised his son from the dead so that he will reign forever and give us an eternity in heaven with him. Because he lives, we have forgiveness. Because he lives, we have a reliable friend to count on. Because he lives, we are guided by Jesus who is truthful and righteous. Because he lives, we have a life that's not in vain. And because he lives, we have this everlasting joy. My prayer for you this Easter is that you can connect afresh with Jesus, the living God who died, yes, but he rose again. He takes the sins of the world on his shoulders so that we may have an eternal life in freedom with him. I pray that as you draw close to God this Easter, you will be restored and revived and revitalised and that you choose to live life without fear of the future, not waiting for what might be, but making the most of each day. May you have a blessed remainder of Easter.